It's good to be with you. Uh, some of you may not know, but Christ Center is our home church. Uh, when we moved into missions, wow, honey, it was a long time ago. 49 years ago, we uh, ventured out into missions. Uh, and uh, God has been ever faithful. So before I really get started though, I want Jan, would you stand? And you can actually take your mask off just so they could see you. Uh, that is the view I have every day, it's so exciting. Uh, and uh, we just last week celebrated our 52nd anniversary. Wow. Uh, we were just, we were only 12 years old when we got married. Uh, <laughs> but it has been an incredible adventure in God for all of these years. And I can honestly say that we have never been bored one time in our lives. Uh, scared to death many times, but never bored. Uh, and the adventure of following Jesus and doing the call of God is the most amazing life that you could ever live. And I mean that with all of my heart. Uh, just being able to say yes to Jesus and then just holding on as he takes us on his adventures around the world. Uh, we've had the privilege of traveling to 65 the counter in our family tells me, 65 nations of the world. Uh, and it's been an amazing, amazing life that God has granted us to live. Uh, our children have all been in missions. Uh, our daughter and her husband lead a Youth of the Mission Center in Wiley, Texas, uh, which is quite an amazing town, which we just moved to in March. Uh, after having lived in another city in the Dallas Metroplex. So it's great to be there and seeing all the things that God is doing in that place. This has been an interesting year for us in a lot of ways. And I just will quickly give you the highlights of uh, what that means for us. Uh, but in December, Jan was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. And in January, had uh, cancer surgery and then radiation treatments. And I love being a part of this family because I know that many people in this church pray for us and we're praying with us through that really challenging time. And I'm thankful to say, stand here and say, uh, Jan has been declared cancer-free in answer to prayer. And uh, what a God we serve. But that was not the end of our adventures in uh, March, uh, our great-grandson was born prematurely. It was uh, a very scary birth, and he almost died. Uh, and so uh, I also want to say much prayer went up, and little Grayson Wayne is doing great and is totally well because of the touch of Jesus. But our excitement didn't end there. Uh, uh, in April, our daughter-in-law suffered a brain aneurysm, 
and was rushed to the hospital, had open brain surgery. They put in a titanium plate in her head uh, after the surgery. It was a really scary surgery. The doctor was very honest. He said 50% of those who have this kind of aneurysm don't even live to get to the hospital. Of those who do get to the hospital, half of those are paralyzed, brain damaged, or in a coma. And he said to her, you're in the 25% that really do get better. And I want to tell you, my daughter-in-law is well and is improving because of the touch of Jesus in her life. Bless God. But our adventures weren't done there. Uh, our son-in-law, Bruce, uh, about a month ago, five weeks ago, was diagnosed uh, with congestive heart failure. He's only 57 years old. A very healthy construction guy. Uh, never been sick. I don't ever, has he ever been sick, honey, in all the years that they've been? I don't remember a time when he's ever been sick. Uh, but was diagnosed with a very, very serious heart condition. His heart is only pumping at less than 50%, about 40%. Uh, they, he has to wear a, what is it called? A, a defibrillator vest. Because they say when you're sleeping, and he especially has to sleep in it, uh, it, when your heart is only pumping at 40%, your heart can just stop pumping. And so he wears a defibrillator vest, he's on medication, uh, he is getting exercise, watching his diet, and most importantly, friends and family and our beloved church are praying. And I believe my son-in-law is going to be 100% healed in Jesus' name, amen? Will you pray with us to that end? His name is Bruce, please be praying for Bruce. We are believing in every circumstance that we've seen this year, everything the enemy has thrown at us, Jesus has said, but I'm the victory. And that's where we live and that's what we believe and we're so grateful that we serve that Jesus. Uh, this morning I wanna talk to us and share with us about the fact that we are, I'm sure that that's, sorry, that's a little loose, but, we are the salt and light of this world. And uh, I believe this is a challenge to us as a church that God wants to not only have us believe that intellectually, but he wants us to believe it in the depth of our heart and he wants us to be salt and light in this world. And we'll look this morning at Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It's a an incredible passage of scripture. I love Matthew 5. The last few weeks I've been meditating on Matthew 5 and so many things God's been speaking to me through this passage. Matthew 5, verse 13, you, he was speaking to the disciples, are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, its purpose, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and to be walked on by people. Verse 14, then he goes on to say, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds, your moral excellence, and glorify your Father who's in heaven. We are not salt and light just so that we might be good in this world. We are salt and light so that we might show our incomparable savior to a lost and dying world. And we need to understand those are powerful mandates and those are powerful words from God. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And the first one, you're the salt. You are the seasoning of grace in a broken world. Salt is simply living the grace of God. Do you know that when you are salt, salt brings healing and it brings preservation. It's great for cleaning wounds. It's great for scouring up things. It can clean and it can preserve. And that is what we do in this world as we live the call of God. We are the salt. We bring healing and we bring peace. Colossians 4, 5 and 6, it's an incredible scripture. I love this scripture because it describes to us what salt is. It says, conduct yourselves, Paul is speaking to the church, writing to the church at Colossae, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. Make the most of the opportunity. Your speech must always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Your speech must be seasoned with grace. Excuse me. And if we are people who live as the salt of the earth, we will be people who bring the grace of God to this world. Salt, the Bible equates to a life of grace. I love it that we can be the bringers of grace to this world. Not good English, but a good concept. We can be the people who bring and show grace to this world. (coughs) Excuse me. And we live in a graceless world today. I am absolutely shocked. I am uh, in disbelief at times. Uh, I am spending less and less time on Facebook because I am seeing an onslaught of gracelessness, and I hate to say this, among the people of God. Dear ones, we are to be salt, but we can only season this world with God's presence to the degree that we season it with his grace. And I want you to know, I'm not making any political statement, none whatsoever, I'm not, pointing one side or another side. But I am here to tell you there are sides. And as the people of grace, we have to determine we will not be the people who cancel out others because they don't agree with our side. I wanna tell you something, there is no side and side. You are either on God's side or you're not. 
Amen, Wick, that's good preaching. Thank you, Wick. <laughs> the sides are, you're either on God's side or you're not. Joshua and I were uh, talking over the incredible breakfast that he cooked this morning. Uh, you guys need to have breakfast at the Revis's. Uh, it's great. We're having a great discussion over this concept in a cancel culture world and it happens on both sides. Dear ones, hear me. I'm not pointing to one side or another. It happens right and left, it happens politically, it happens socially, uh, and I read stuff on Facebook that I hope I had never read and I see stuff and I am like, God, this isn't your heart. The enemy has successfully divided the body of Christ. And we have to make a determination. We are going to be people of salt. We are going to be people of grace. Because God is a God of grace. And one of the comments we made together was, what would the world be like if God was cancel culture? None of us would be here. He is the only perfect one in the universe. If God wanted to cancel out people he didn't agree with, there would be no one in this church today, including myself. Dear ones, God calls us to be people of grace. Let your speech be seasoned with the salt of grace so that we can truly represent who he is. And if we walk in that grace, God will bless and God will put his blessing on our lives. You're salt, you are people of grace. Number two, you are light. You live God's truth and you are God's light in a dark world. Matthew 5, 14 to 16 again, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, <coughs> but on a lampstand. Honey, do you have a uh, cough drop? I'm sorry. <coughs> Thank you. We call Jan's purse Walmart in a bag. <laughs> if you need it, she has it. Whatever your ailment, her bag takes care of it. <laughs> You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and your moral excellence and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Dear ones, our light is not to put a focus on us. Our light, our living the truth of Jesus is to always put the light on him. And Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men to myself. I believe there is a mighty revival coming to the body of Christ, I believe that. I believe strongly with all of my heart that Christ Center is to be one of the 
groups, one of the churches that is mightily used of God in revival. I believe that. I believe God has called this church to be uh, instigators of revival. We will only be the people of revival to the degree that we are people that give the glory to Jesus. He has to be the one who gets the glory. It's not about us, it's not about me, it's not about my ability, it's not about my correct theology. It's about the fact that I have seen the light, I want to live in that light so that I can reflect the light of Jesus to a dark and dying world. You see, when we are the light of the world, it's not a light that we generate. It is simply a light that we reflect. How we need to be the light of Christ to a lost and dying world. But you understand that Jesus is the light. John 1, 1 through 5, I love this passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. Wow, that's a powerful word. Not one thing came into being that has come into being apart from Christ. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. Jesus is the light of the world, John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then John 1, 14 to 17. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, full of salt and light. You see, grace and truth are the salt and light of this world. And John testified about him saying, this is he of whom I said, who is coming after me has proved to be my superior because he existed before me for of his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized in Jesus Christ. Salt and light, grace and truth, they were realized in the Son of God. Just before this passage, we read in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, what is called the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, the blessed are certain groups of people, the Beatitudes. I would say also they are the attitudes that we should have and that we should be. And we're going to go through these fairly quickly, but I do wanna just highlight a couple of points. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and then he began to teach them, saying, verse three, blessed, what does that mean? 
It means highly favored by God, surrounded by his goodness and grace, are the poor in spirit, the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want you to know the cornerstone of the kingdom of God is humility. It is saying, I am not sufficient in myself. I desperately need Jesus. It is saying, God, I can't do it. I need you. If we will not walk in humility, we will never be the people who are blessed. Humility is the cornerstone of the life blessed by God. We are not sufficient in ourselves. We must fall on him. We must live desperate lives for him, praying desperate prayers. Humility allows us to see God's heart in ways that we cannot see it when we walk in pride. Nineteen years ago, after having been involved in missions for almost 30 years, God spoke one day and said, Wick, change is coming. And I take that real seriously. And I don't like change. I don't know about you, I don't like change. I just moved from one city to another and I hate moving. And I know there are amens out there on that one. I hate moving. Especially moving from a modest home to a really, really modest home. Uh, I'm thankful for a thing called Marketplace. My daughter is the queen of Marketplace. And you buy everything at a huge discount because people get rid of good stuff because they just want to change. We went to one house, they were downsizing. And I'm, I'm shocked at their agony to downsize to a, a 3,500 square foot home. My heart went out to them as the woman agonized over selling their den furniture to us. Agony. And I am like, you're downsizing, and then we saw her home and it was 5,000 square feet for she and her husband who lived in there alone. My heart went out to them. I wanted to weep with them, I'm teasing. I thought it was crazy. But I like the fact that we got furniture really cheap. That was great. Let them agonize, let them get rid of stuff. I desperately needed it, so it was great, and it was cheap, so that's a wonderful thing. But in the midst of all of that move, it was change, and I don't like change. And God said, change is coming. I'm like, God? And then God always does this thing. He goes, Wick, okay, I'll do change. <laughs> and I did the only thing, and Jan and I did the only thing we ever thought we needed to do in those kind of situations. We said, okay, God, we don't know what that means, but we're gonna find out from you. And we know the truth that when we seek God with all of our heart, we'll find him. That's the word of God and the promise. We began to seek God. We got up at 5.30 in the morning. We walked around the YWAM ranch where we lived at the time, and we prayed, and we sought God, 
day after day during the week, uh, and we would get up at 5.30, walk the ranch, pray and seek God, and we did that for one month, and we heard nothing. And I thought, you know, this is supposed to be easier than this. You know, we've been at this for 30 years, uh, and it, it doesn't get easier. We have to, no matter how many years we follow Jesus, we always must live desperate for him. And we prayed and we sought God and we said, God, what do we do? And it was silent. And we prayed for two months and we prayed for three months and we prayed for four months and we prayed for five, six, seven, eight, and nine months. And during those months, God did not give us the answer. He gave us a word of relinquishment. We had been involved in great ministries. God said, if I ask you to lay this down, will you? We said, of course, God, yes. What about this? Will you lay it down month after month, week after week? God didn't tell us the answer. He dealt with our hearts. And one of the things he dealt with would, would we give up quickly or would we hang in there until we got God's answer? Nine months, 10 months, 11 months, one year. At the end of one year, I went to the Lord, Jan and I were praying, I went to the Lord, I said, okay God, would you speak to us? And then we made a declaration. We said to the Lord, and Jan and I had agreed, we will walk 10 years if that's what it takes to hear from God. If you are determined to hear from God and you put a stake in the ground that he is your everything, you will do it. Humility says, I don't know the answer. God, you do, and I'm gonna wait till I hear from you. Yeah. And that is not the waiting of just hanging in there and doing nothing. It is the waiting of desperation. When you are desperate, you find. When you're desperate, you hear. When you're desperate, you get answers to prayer. At the end of one year, I'm praying and saying, God, what do I do? And God says, what is in your heart? And I'm like, God, that's not what I'm praying about here. I wanna know what's in your heart. And God says again, Wick, what is in your heart? And I'm like, what? I don't know. And I'm waiting, and God again whispers, what is in your heart? And I said these words to God, God, I don't even know what's in my heart, would you show me? And suddenly in my gut, I felt this turmoil, this explosion of something that God was speaking and doing and it churned in my gut and it came up and out of my mouth burst the words, word, orphans. And I am like, orphans. And then I went, what in the world does that mean? I hadn't been thinking about orphans. We had done a lot of orphan work, but it wasn't my daily passion. And God said, Wick, that's what's in your heart. You didn't even know it. You see, when we walk in humility and desperation and seeking God, we find the things that we never knew. They're the things that God knew all along. 
Desperation gives you answers to prayer. And then you've seen those computer programs on TV or a movie where all the ones and zeros are running through the screen and uh, something interesting is happening in that computer, important, and all of a sudden God said, okay, good, it's orphans. I want you to start a new uh, ministry called Streams of Mercy. You'll care for orphans around the world. You will support 100 orphanages around the world. And it's like this computer download. You will resign from everything you're doing in ministry. You will make a total change. That new house you bought six, you built six months ago and have lived in six months. Yes, God, sell it, follow me, move to Northeast, go to Connecticut. Connecticut, God, that can't be you. That's gotta be the devil. (laughs) I lived in Texas. Connecticut? Connecticut. Okay, it'll be Connecticut. Put our house on the market, moved to Connecticut, bought a, now we had just built our dream home. We bought an 83-year-old drafty New England house. We knew it was bad the first winter when we're sitting in our living room and the curtains are moving inside the living room and we had windows and storm windows. And our first January electric bill was $600. Honey, go out and buy a coat. We're wearing coats in the living room. I wanna tell you something. Blessed, I like this definition of blessed. Blessed, highly favored by God, surrounded by goodness and grace are the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on in the rest of the Beatitudes, and I would encourage you, you guys, I've spent a lot of time in these Beatitudes the last few weeks. Would you take those Beatitudes and ask God to speak to you? But I just wanna highlight a word in each of them the groups that are blessed. In verse four are those who mourn, those who grieve over the things that break the heart of God. Verse five, the gentle, the kind-hearted. Verse six, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse seven, the merciful. Verse eight, Blessed are the pure in heart. Verse nine, blessed are the peacemakers, and I like what the Amplified says, are the makers and maintainers of peace. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for doing what is right, morally right. And then verse 11, blessed, favored by God, surrounded by his goodness and grace, are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kind of evil things against you because of me, be glad and exceedingly joyful for your reward in heaven is great. God longs for us to be salt and light May we be the people of his grace and his truth that are married only in Christ. 
when we are desperate for Jesus, we become salt and light. May that be our prayer this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your truth. God, I thank you for your word. God, will you help us please be those people of grace and truth who are a salt and light to a desperately needed world. And then, God, we say we believe your promise is for revival. Would you send your revival to our nation and to this world? God, we are, as we agree with thousands and thousands of others who are praying for revival around the world, God, we say yes, we believe you're a God of revival. And God, we are praying along with tens of thousands of others that God, we will see in the coming days at least a billion people come to a saving knowledge of Christ. God, help us to be the salt and light that says yes and amen to the mighty move of God. Amen.